Hello and welcome. Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. What's up? Today we have Kevin Gregory on the show. Kevin is an OCR athlete, hybrid athlete, coach, and gym owner. And in this episode, we do a lot of talk about DECA. So Kevin has a very in-depth knowledge about the different nuances in the DECA stations and how to kind of put that all together for your strong, your mile, and your fit. So if you're interested in DECA, if you're interested in hybrid training, this is going to be an awesome episode for you. First, I wanted to remind you guys of some uh, checking out Torque and Reinforced Running on YouTube up there. We just have a, an update on my most recent race at High Rocks Dallas, so go in depth about the different splits and some of the strategies, some of the takeaways. And on Torque, we just had Alicia Keeker come on and we watched the DECA NorCal race in which she won and we go into depth about her race strategy and, and how that all kind of played out. So really cool stuff going on on both channels. So check that out. Please subscribe. Check it out in the show notes. <clears throat> also, a reminder that you can be a Patreon member for Torque where you get early access to a lot of the content from Torque and some other cool stuff. And just want to give a shout out to some of our patrons. We have AJ Vist, Brent Boggs, Brett George, Amy Rammer, Dustin Needham, Kevin Gregory, our guy, Micah Dorfner, Kevin, Kenny West, and Ashley Reese. They are all our Patreon members, and we appreciate that so much. Every con- contribution goes directly to the athletes of Torque to help them get to races, help them uh, travel, stay, uh, give them entry, all that stuff. Helps support the sport, move the thing forward. All right, cool. Here we go. Kevin Gregory. You had a really nice Deca mile this past weekend. I did. I, uh, I yeah, things things came together. That's for sure. I finally put that put the whole race all together in one spot. So, and that was so. Right now, you're currently third, I believe, worldwide. Yeah. We're calling it worldwide, even though I don't, I'm not sure yeah. how many Deca miles are happening abroad. <laughs> but everybody's doing Deca miles. You're you're third right now behind. Ryan Corning and Dylan Scott and Ryan Corning has the world record for the DECA strong, like a crazy time, like 1140 something. Um, 1149. Yeah. So he can really, he can really hammer the bike. I think he can do the assault bike in like under a minute. Um, And Dylan, who's like one of the highest work rate guys, who's just like right around sub 60 for high rock. So like you're right in the mix, man. So you're you're right there. So tell me about how, how did it go? Like, what did you mean? Like putting it all together in this one spot? Like what did, what went different this time? Yeah, so uh, this is my third crack at Deca Mile, and um, last year I did a few strongs and two miles, and uh, I just really started breaking down. I mean, we'll, we can get into like all the nitty gritty of breaking down Deca by station, and I know you put out a ton of videos for High Rock stuff last week, and I wasn't watching anything because I was building my own stuff. But I was like, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you're putting out like how to do the High Rock ski, and I'm always over here like putting out how to do Deca ski, and and it's that kind of thing. Different. And I didn't watch your videos, but yeah, because the distance and then the, what you got coming in and out of it. But um, I was like, oh, that's really cool that Rich is doing like kind of kind of parallel uh, stuff over here. But um, I've been working with a lot of my training clients, like I guess opening a gym and needing a feeder system of people to come in to potentially take clients from is um, one of the main reasons I want to become a DECA affiliate when they first launched that program. Mm-hmm. And then we hosted like the affiliate program, they, they recommend you, you host a DECA something uh, quarterly. So I had one in July, October, January, and now this one this past weekend. And the people that came in in the summertime, like I watched all these people come in and do it. And I've 
gone out to a couple other venues and done Decca Strong's in Massachusetts at Movement Terrain and New Jersey at Next Level. And uh, I did the Decca Fit New Jersey where you were last year. And uh, watching people do stuff, there's so many things. I'm like, why are you doing it that way? That's so inefficient. But it really started to hit me that no one's ever taught them how to do it. Even the gyms that are hosting are just like, okay, this is the movement standard, go. And there's no coaching. But years ago, in like the mid-2016 time, 2014, 15, whatever, I was doing CrossFit, and they'd announce the Open. Then you could watch all the videos, like the Morning Chalk Up and all those other people like that are really into CrossFit. And they're like, here's the strategy you should implement, and this is going to get you your best time. And then I'll do it two or three times and try to like fix, fix it and figure it out. And um, the more I was watching people do decas, I'm like, you're wasting time here. You're wasting time there. And then I really started dialing it in and trying to figure out where I could save time. And then Tom Simeone, I'm sure you're familiar with him. I know, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the professor is uh, how I like to think about him. He, um, he messaged me over the summer and he's like, hey, you want to train for DECA together? And I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, what do you want to do? Because we were both signed up for fit. And uh, he's like, um, I'm going to come up to your gym and let's like have a little training camp for the weekend. And he pulls out this notebook with all these splits. And I was like, oh, my God, I never thought about doing that before. So like he taught me so much about how to like break down each station and what times you should have. And then we're like YouTubing like Ryan Kent's deck is strong, like 1954, which is like tied for the second best time. And we're like stopwatch splitting him and like all these Jack Bowery things. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, so I got a notebook and uh, just did a time trial, videoed it like wad proof. We had to use for uh, OCR stars. So yep. I was familiar with the app. And then I just started videotaping all my um, full decas, whether it's strong or mile. And that way I could go back and do film breakdown and look at how long my station took me. And then how long the transition was and so on. Uh, so Tom really like kind of opened my eyes to the ability to really break this down. And it's not just a show up and go kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that was in August. And uh, I hadn't done a deck a mile yet, but I did strong and I was getting ready for fit and training and looking at like, okay, what's a good time for this? What's a good time for that? What's Ryan Kent's time? Because that's kind of like, as far as we know, the gold standard for each station. Mm -hmm. And okay, well, Ryan Kent took a minute and 55 seconds on the ski. I don't know what exactly his time was without looking, but okay, I know I can ski faster and I've done it for high rocks, but how do we then work back? Because if you go all out on the ski, then you're probably not going to go that fast on the farmers. And then you got to get on the bike. And I saw so many people, like the ones I hosted and the ones I went to, and they're like gangbusters out of the gate. Like you're not – you're not allowed to do lunge jump switches, but some of the judges are not as courageous to call people out. And right. I watch people do them and I'm like, I'm not going to get in there and like have a big fuss or whatever. But I, every person I saw do lunge jump switches with the Ram with the Ram ended up blowing up terribly. And then there are times like over 20 minutes and I'm like, you did your lunges in like 30 seconds, but then you blew up there and then you blew up on the rower and then you just like crawled through the last eight stations. So the whole study of DECA, I guess, was kind of like figure out how to go fast, where to go fast and pacing. And as I talk to my clients that nothing that know nothing about running or those kind of things, because I really like, I learned a lot from you, Richard Diaz and like 
all the other like podcast hosts that are constantly putting out more content, like the, the Brackens and Kirks and all that stuff. And yeah, if, if me and you race like a hundred yard dash, I'd have a better chance against you than like a mile because I know your mile time is significantly better than mine, but in that short burst, maybe I can hang on a little longer mm -hmm. and kind of, kind of make it a race. But everybody goes a decade and tries to do that hundred yard sprint <laughs> out of the gate and then they blow up and they're in a 5k <laughs> and, and that's, then... the time domain is like that right even, even the fastest yeah. like we said is 12 minutes which would be st like still faster than the fastest person in the world can run a 5k but not that much faster it's still kind of a 5k domain with even something like a deca strong which is a lot of just high-end work and and, that, and that's like i think people don't even uh don't even try to do the jump lunge switches. They're just so jacked up. They're just so fired up that they're just like so powerful out of that lunge that they start going crazy. Yeah. Um, so it looks like you took a good approach and like, all right, let's, because coming from OCR, which is where you kind of came from into this avenue, like I said, did CrossFit, did OCR, um, even CrossFit a little bit. I mean, you can do though, you can do this similar type thing for CrossFit, but the, the workouts are never the same. Right. Like mm -hmm. from open to open, you can have an idea. It's like, oh, this might feel like this just in your training and have an idea of where to break it down. But if you're not doing it over and over, it's gonna be really hard to have like a hard splits. But in this, it's right there. You know, it's like yeah. everything, all the information you need is right in front of you. Um, so when you start started to kind of break things down, what were the places where you found it to be the most important to to really have it dialed in the most is it are they all equal that you hit them all but like in your exact plan or ha has it does it change or are there is there wiggle room on some versus the others i think from the beginning my first deck of strong like time trial i guess um <clears throat> i videotaped the whole thing and i rolled out the splits there was areas where i felt like i was i worked a little too hard and blew myself up and there was areas where i felt like i could have improved um just based on form and my first time was like 1445 and I looked at the leaderboard and I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. But um, like based on feelings, I had no frame of reference. And mm. then I've since then, I've had a lot of people reach out and like, hey, I'm doing DECA strong. Any tips? And it depends on where you're at in your like DECA journey, I guess, to make it like very <laughs> Spartan-y. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where's your, what you, kind of tech mark do you have? Yeah. Where's your baseline? Like yeah. what people should do is get a baseline test. Even if they're not going hundred percent, like get a baseline test. So you know where you're like starting your, your starting point is. And then if you have your splits, that's like 10 times better. But my, like if you're brand new and you ever done DECA pace yourself, don't go too fast. If you want to hit the, like drop the hammer after the bike, survive until the bike and then drop the hammer. And that's going to get you a much better time than trying to race from the beginning. And I, I was telling one of my clients this this morning, um, this woman that I trained, this was like regular mom. She's just been working with me for years, like at the other gym I was at. And she's doing decas now because weight loss. I'm just like, I'm not dealing with weight loss people anymore. You got, you're going to lose weight, but we're not focused on that. That's going to be mm -hmm. a byproduct because you've been banging your head against the wall for <laughs> too many years. For sure. And I'm like, listen, you got it. You want to PR your your deck is strong. You've done it three times, but you definitely are leaving so much on the table. In order for you to PR, you need to pace yourself. And she's like, but it's a race. And then it really hit me. I'm like, in your mind, you're thinking race. You have no idea what pacing is. 
you're racing, you're doing that like 40 yard dash in a marathon and expecting to get a better marathon time when you're like blown out all your energy in the first few stations. And I was like, wow, I, I really need to communicate this differently to my clients or anybody really who I'm asking because they're still in that race mentality. And I mean, you see this in OCR all the time. Like you got your top of the pack guys who are really fast and they know they can go out at hot pace and hang on. But then you got all the people that go out of the gate hot with them and then they blow up and they're like 30th place. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. OCR, OCR is interesting. I feel like I say this a lot, but it's like, you, it seems like you just go until you're dead in OCR and just hang on. You know, pace, yeah. pacing is even a little bit more nuanced. I think some of the top athletes are able to do it who might be more familiar in, in like the mountains or have been doing these races a long time. But it does seem like you just go out hard. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. It's like, oh, it's a race, but there's multiple ways to run a race. It's not just go as hard as you can right from the jump. So it sounds like these people, a lot of people who are coming into this might not even have the experience of – have no racing experience, right? And they're not necessarily thinking like an athlete. They're just thinking like a competitor, I guess. Like if you're just as competitive as possible, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to go hard and try my hardest in terms of, instead of like being smart. And that's a tough, that it's a tough conversation to have, especially in something like Deca or High Rocks where like the pacing means so much. I, for High Rocks, I've been trying to talk about it like it's a marathon. Um, have you done a full yeah, You've I've done, done ultras. You have, yeah, I've done, done a handful a of fulls. My PR is like 352 in New York. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. So, so, you know, like the first, you know, the first 10 miles should feel easy, even more than that. Yeah. Like the first half should be like, there's a lot of energy there. It's like, you got, like, you kind of have to really pull yourself back and just know, like, you're not going to gain, you can't bank time in a marathon. I don't think you can <laughs> bank time in a high rocks. That's what I did this past week. And I tried to yeah. get ahead and bank some time. And then I gave it all back. Like, real fast and it's just like how that works so that's the analogy i've been trying to use for high rocks but it doesn't always land because not everybody's done a a, 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 yeah. a full and not everybody's done a full and done it and not blown up or <laughs> yeah they're, they're, <laughs> so how how now are you going to try to explain it to you like what's an analogy we could use for something that's like a 15 minute race because even f- people who run 5ks like 5Ks I find are hard measurements of fitness for a lot of people who are just learning because the pacing is just so out of control. It'll be like, they'll go out in seven minutes and then the second <laughs> mile will be like eight, 10 and then they'll finish in like seven twenty. It's like, I have no idea what kind of shape you're in. Like no idea. Yeah. So like, it's even hard to give them that because it's like taking a sport and relating it to another sport. So like, what's a good way that we can kind of like talk about pacing for people that might not know? I think it depends on the athletic uh, background of the athlete obviously but I think if you try to keep it as dumb as possible and like layman I'd say like treat the first five stations like your warm-up you're moving through them and you don't want to stop and take a break but you also don't want to push yourself to the point where you feel like you're going to have to take a break so let's just casually get through the first five and then after that then you can start racing mm-hmm. uh, because I think at that point most of the most people, myself included, like I'm still trying to figure out how my what my best warm up is for anything, and I think I got it down pretty well for Deca. But it's I've been racing Spartans for 10, 11 years, and I still like get to races, and I'm like, uh, am I doing too much for my warm up or not enough? And and um, trying to learn from you guys that have been running your whole life. Like I didn't ever do competitive running on a team where I had a running coach, and mm-hmm. like we ran stuff as a group. We 
did a circle stretch for my contact sports for football and lacrosse and like wrestling. Right. We rocked on our back and then we did some mobility and then we just started beating each other. But um, I think most people are under warmed up, I think it, as a general statement. And so now mm -hmm. I try to like err on the side of over warming up, I think, mm -hmm. and just take a longer break before I start because DECA, you don't have to start when they say go, or I mean, when they do, but it's usually like, Hey, you're next. Let me know when you're ready or you're next, get over here. But if you want to run to the bathroom, they're not going to start your clock when you're not there. So mm -hmm. you do have that like time trial aspect, <clears throat> but um, even whether they're warmed up or not, treat the first five stations like a warm up because you're, you're priming your, your system, your legs are in the lunges and then the row don't PR your row. Like my last, um, this past weekend, I, I worked with a ton of my athletes, getting them ready. And what we did in training was finding their like race pace. I kept using that phrase with them. I'm like, what's your race pace on the row? And then have them row like 500 meters and go as hard as they could. And I'm like, all right, you just died and you rode like a 150. All right, now let's try two minutes. Let's do two. And then let, let's try two, 205. And then we kind of like finagled it until – I want, I'm like, I want you getting off this feeling like you could go for a long time. And if I have someone who's very fit, I'd be like, all right, row like a 5k or something. And then what's your pace in like your, the last 500 or something. So like, okay, you can sustain that. And the row, the order obviously is different from high rocks. So the mm -hmm. row on the DECA, we want to go fast because it's a race, but we all, we want to hold back. And then the ski, which is first in high rocks, which in all my high rocks I'm like hammering that because everybody beat me on the run. So I want to catch up on the ski and <laughs> <Right>. then, <laughs> then supper festival, you get to the sled, but in, in DECA, that's the fifth station. So I've had actually had two people drop out of the race in January because they hammered the ski so hard. By the time they got on the bike, they were like almost going to mm -hmm. throw up. And then they both like got delusional and dropped out both <laughs> fit, like meaty, like beefy guys who probably throw weights around all the time in the gym and then they couldn't finish the deck of strong. And, uh, I'm like, well, that's hundred percent pacing, but, um, you gotta like kind of know where you're at, but without familiarity, then an experience. It's, it's that's yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to even know what that's going to feel like after four stations, right? Like after, mm -hmm like uh, the row and the step overs and the, and then the sit-ups and then you get to the, the ski and like, you don't know what that is, what that should, or, or what it's going to feel like. So I could definitely see people getting mm -hmm. there. And I've done this for, I did this on the last strong that I did. It just went really hard on the ski. And then after I was like, I'm pretty toast now. Like there's no extra push. Once it gets like to that anaerobic part, it's just like, yeah. you just have to hang on. There's no more like going. So I've never really, tr I mean, I haven't had too many opportunities to do the shorter ones. I've done two strongs in one mile. So I don't really have too much. So, and it's always been just been, like, I died on both the strongs because I've never <laughs> had a good pacing idea of it. Um, so in this mile that you just did, are you, are you do are you being conservative? Because you're so powerful, right? Like you're a bigger, stronger athlete yeah. than most. Um, that, that the row and the ski are very much going to be things that are going to be uh, places where you can make up time and catch up. Um, so 
are you able to kind of pace yourself on this or, or are you pacing yourself through and what does that pacing look like? Right? Like you mentioned the row and then kind of like figuring out where people should be based off of like their 5k pace or something like that. If, they, if mm-hmm. they're able to, or a 2k row, if that's something that they've done, like where, like, how would you, how do you do it in your own, like, like based off of like what you can do for 5k and what, how you kind of pace on the row or, or what you could do for a 2k on the row or, or this, or the ski, like, how are you pacing yourself on that? All right. Uh, I could throw you the numbers specifically, uh, but I guess I'll get to that. Sure. So yeah. for the row, that's early. I did a lot of simulations of the first three stations of the race. So getting onto the row after the lunges and then seeing what I can hold. Um, so I mess with a bunch of dampers too, because most people have no clue like what to do with the dampers. And mm-hmm. myself included, when I started this, I was like, 10, I'm strong. I'm doing a 10. <laughs> Max right. it out. And then I watched Ryan Ken's thing and he's on a six on both. I was like, what the hell? How is he like rowing so fast and he's on a six? Like, so it really opened my mind to different possibilities. And I try to do that with my athletes too. They're all like 10. I'm like, no, let's, you're like not that strong. Let's put you at like a four. I don't need you to go fast here. I just want you off the rower in under three minutes. Cause your goal is like sub 25 mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, and then looking at their strokes per minute, I think a lot of people overlook that. So I see people are like their strokes per minute is like 40 something. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're doing all these pulls. If you're going to be on here for two minutes and let's just say it's 40, that's 80 pulls, 80 pulls of full body. Like that's a lot of energy. So what if think about this? What if you could do 30 pulls per minute and get off in two minutes? That's 20 less pulls total, 20 less full body efforts. So even if you took the same amount of time, how much more gas are you going to have in the tank later if you could just bring your strokes per minute down and that was it? And they're like, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, you two people, and just take two people that are training next to each other, are doing the same amount of work. Well, pace. You're, doing, you're rowing the same meters, but this person's rowing 20 more times. So who's using more energy or like whatever the case is? It's mm-hmm. like, all right, how, let's just get more efficient. Like row, efficiency, that's it. Let's get efficient. So for myself, I, I pulled 145 and then 140 and then 135. And I have done enough decas, like strong and miles to know like how I feel getting off of it. And I, I think for myself, I have the confidence that if I'm pulling like a 130 to 135, I can get off and last the rest of the race where if I pull as hard as I can, I can probably pull in the mid 120s. I don't, I don't know if I can go more than that, but um, for this race, I think uh, for my PR this weekend, I pulled um, row. Uh, overall, it was a 140, but with I was keeping at a one. Or, uh, yeah, with, yeah with transition. So um, including transition in and out, because I just start with the, with the deck is strong. I'll watch the video and when I touch the handle, I'll start the clock. Yeah. But with the mile, you're in and out of a run. So I'm either the transition time's kind of getting lumped into the run or the the row. Yeah. So it was 140 from sit on the rower, like finish the run, sit on the rower, strap in, pull, finish, unstrap, and start run again. So I think watching the monitor, I was pulling about 133, and then my strokes per minute was like 21. So, oh, so you, I put the you video have, on YouTube you if you want to see it, but you have big pulls, big, yeah. like 21, 21, 
is definitely the low. And I try to keep mine at like 25. And I think that that's because yeah. you, you mentioned like just the, the frequency of the pulls, like the, the less amount of strokes per minute and the more power you're going to be able to produce, the more you get to recover too. Like they actually call it the yeah. recovery when you're coming back to the fan. It's time to like chill a little bit. So you're able to really wind up and hammer that thing, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. So I know I could do that with damper of 10, but the last time I did the mile, I, I moved my damper down on the ski and I felt my aggregate time and for soccer people, they know aggregates like the combined score of two games and then whoever wins the like basically two game series. So I, I like that phrase for this. So <clears throat> my aggregate time on like the ski and the farmers in my last mile was faster than previously when I dialed down the damper. So my ski got slower, but my farmers got way faster. So then the aggregate was better. So I look at that with when I'm looking at like the, the couplets of the movements and with the row this time, like I'm not saying that's the best way to go, but I did some Sims and I was like, well, if you watch the video of me pulling, I like pull, pull my hands on my knees and kind of rest like excessively. And people, I did some like weekend workouts with some people who were really going for good times. And they're like, I let them all go. And then I went, and then I was like, what did you guys learn from what I did? Cause I just like, put up a way better time than you and i just i've explained things that i want you to do but what did you see like the visual versus uh like audio learning or whatnot and kinesthetic so learning styles and they're like wow you're you're not you're pulling like really hard and then you're stopping i'm like yeah as opposed to you being a jackrabbit and i'm not Mm -hmm. saying you got to get to 18 to 21 pulls and i wasn't even aiming for that i just wanted to hit my um my pacing goal and I found that I was at my pacing goal. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take longer rest. And if I start dropping, then I'll work harder. But I just stayed there and I was like, all right, I'm content with this. Um, but uh, I think oh, yeah. rule of thumb, though, thir- low 30s, I think, is like rule of thumb for anybody. Just super low 30s. Because when I started fatiguing towards the end of my 500 meters, I increased my frequency and decreased my like power. Strokes per minute, my goal isn't really – 18 or 21 or whatnot as long as i'm under 30 which i practice enough and i've done long aerobic rows and my i can hold a 25 ish like you mentioned uh strokes per minute and hold the pace that i want and like i said most of the time i'm going for efficiency i'm watching my heart rate in those long rows to see what my heart rate response is when i'm at different paces and whatnot and strokes per minute but i know i just basically just need to be under 30 and i'm going to be fine so with the different distances, whether it's a strong, a mile, or a fit, I think during the training leading up to it, I'm looking at what's what's my ability when I get off that. For the strong, I know I can bang out the box step overs in 30 seconds or so, and as long as I'm hitting near that target, uh, maybe 130 to 135 pace. For this, you're running 160 meters, which is my goal run time was 40 seconds. And in practice, I was able to do the row at the intensity I wanted and still hit that 40-second mark. Now, the fit, I've only done one fit. And uh, I, similar to my High Rocks experience, which I explained before, I'm coming in behind all you runners that are really fast. And I'm like, now's my chance to catch up. So I'm just going <laughs> to hit it as hard as I can. And uh, doing my next fit, I know I'll, I'll shave off a lot of time because my strategy will be different. But like I said with... The first deck of anything, you got to put a mark on the board. You got to get a baseline. 
And mm. then you could work back and figure out where your opportunities were based on your body type and fitness. So I would definitely hold a slower row knowing that the 500 meter run is going to be a lot harder for me to maintain my pace that I'm trying to target uh, versus hammering the row and then suffering through the run and then losing even more ground on the runs. So looking at that, like aggregate time. And then fit versus, I'm not certain, not fit, uh, mile versus strong. Are you going to kind of like, cause the 40, cause the runs and the, uh, the, the, the mile, um, they, they're, they're fairly doable. Like I said, I've only done one, but I never had any problem on the run except after the assault bike, obviously, yeah. but the rest, it didn't, it mostly felt like kind of rest. You know, mm-hmm. and like that was helpful. Like I'm, I'm fairly certain my, 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 my aggregate strong stations during my mile was faster than my actual DECA strong. So for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, well, does that mean I could hammer this a little bit harder because the run, I could actually kind of recoup a little bit where I don't do as good of a job of, um, <clears throat> catching back up with the step overs and the, the ab mat sit-ups or the med ball sit-ups or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you? Uh, for mile versus strong? I think for most people, they're going to get, like you mentioned, a rest during their run. And including myself, my station splits during the mile was 1137. Comparatively, Mm -hmm. my best strong is 1229. So that's almost a minute faster on stations in the mile. Um, But my mile run split was 735. And I, I, I'm, I can run a mile faster than 735 in general, but um, looking at that, it's like, all right, so the pacing, it kind of depends what you can do coming out of it. Like you said, coming off the assault bike, you're not going to be able to run that fast, but there are stations where you can run that fast and you might not want to hit the assault bike as crazy hard because running after the assault bike it's good. Look at the difference. Some people running after a salt bike, that's going to allow them to recover or it might just kill their run. But if you're coming off and doing the dead balls for someone who's stronger, that 60 pounds might be pretty light. And that's kind of a recovery uh, versus the big guy is going to have a hard time running uh, and making that a recovery where the runner type is going to recover more on the run instead of getting crushed by the weight of the dead ball. Mm-hmm. So it's very athlete specific, but that's where we're like, doing it and then having a game plan kind of comes in um, to that. My runtime on this deck a mile was 25 seconds slower than my previous PR. And my hmm. station time was flip-flopped. This time was a 35 second overall PR. So 35 seconds, once you've like kind of cut the fat, like I was pretty shocked at how much better I did, but my station split last time was 1235 and this time was 1137. So I improved my stations by almost a minute. Wow. And my run got 20 seconds slower. So I wasn't happy about the run, but. (laughs) But I mean, that was why you probably went better on the stations, right? Was that, were you conserving energy and where did the minute come from? Like, was it all in the back four, four to like four stations or so? Like where did all that time come? Um, Most of my, I got, I picked up a little bit of time on the early pieces, like a few seconds here and there. The lunge, I was five seconds faster. The row, I was eight seconds faster. The box, I was uh, six seconds faster. So like all those little so seconds everywhere. add up a yeah. lot. Um, my runs were not better, obviously, but I picked up all those stations 
but uh, sit-ups, five seconds. My ski was about equal. And then my, uh, my farmers, I picked up six seconds. So I was just like chipping away. And then when you get to the bike, I saved 10 seconds on the bike. Wow. Uh, 13 huh. seconds on the ball. And then my tank was the same. And then I saved 13 seconds on my burpees. So, so it was a big chunk in the back. So it was yeah, like 30 seconds it or so it, in the back. Yeah. So like my, my game plan was I, you can only do your lunges so fast. You're not going to shave off time. But as long as you just settle into the movement pattern, you're going to be able to get the, the closer to the time you want. And my lunch time was pretty sharp. So I was, I was happy with that. And I know I can go as fast as I can and not blow up. And that's where mm-hmm. my game plan for all the skill station was go as fast as you can. And then my game plan for the, the machines was a, a pace target. So my pace target for the row was 130 to 135. My time was 140. And if I look back at Ryan Kent's um, row, his row in the deck of strong that I watched, plus his transition, his row was 135. His transition was four seconds, so that's 139, and I rode a 140. So I'm like, great. I'm pretty much right on, right on the there. mark there. Yep. Um, I was a little slower on the ski than I wanted to be, but I also didn't want to hammer it because I knew I needed to – I'll save more time on the farmer carries by not being dead, and I save time on the farmer carries. And then the bike um, – on the bike, I just find an RPM uh, target. Some people use watts. I just have no frame of reference on watts. So I just find an RPM target and I do all my bike work at that RPM target to just get comfortable. And then mentally, when I get on the bike, I worked on transition on and off a bit this time too, which saved me a few seconds, but, uh, just get on and like, just mentally just keep mantra. This is the rest station. This is the rest station hmm. and just settle into that pace and just kind of relax. And cause you're not, you're not racing on the bike and we know what happens when you try to race when you're on the bike. Uh, and that left me enough gas in the tank to bang out the, the dead balls faster. And the tank, I uh, like I said, I matched last time, which was still a pretty good time. And then I still had enough gas in the tank on the burpees to, to shave off 13 seconds. So, huh. um, that, that, That's interesting that you approach the assault like that way. Because I think cause that's the station where I need to – where I can get time put on me. So I'm like I need mm-hmm. to just do whatever I can to try to mitigate this and improve it as best as I can. But thinking of it, thinking of it, thinking of it as rest is is interesting, because like where where can you and like but you're stronger, right? Like what are your RPMs looking like? Um, my target's seventy five, and in my okay. training, I'll kind of hit seventy five and float just above it, just above it, and I'm like comfortable in there. In this case, I was hitting seventy five and then floating under it. But I noticed <laughs> with a lot of simulations and stuff, I used to just get on and hammer and then settle to seventy five. But that mm. initial burst of like 85 to 90 just will blow my heart rate up so much that I was suffering the whole 75 where if I get on and just get right to 75, I know I'm getting off that thing in under a minute and 15 and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, as I in- continue to increase my fitness, I can work on holding like 78 or 80 and then I'll be off in under a minute. But I've tried to do that in simulations and I blow up too much and then I can't do anything after or I can, but it's depleted. So like, yeah, I gained five seconds on the bike and I lost 15 seconds on the dead balls or the run and then the dead balls. I'm kind of in that same, but like 75 is a good spot for me. Like, and I, I like the same way, like slowly get, not slowly <laughs> get there, like 
ramping up. Because, yeah, like people want to get on there and just crush right away and like really spike it. But then once it's gone, it's gone. Once you start getting like, again, that anaerobic on that bike, like you just have to sit there and suffer. Cross the red line. And that's like, you just watch their RPMs. And I watch all my athletes as they're trying to figure this out or they're not listening. And it's like, they're right where they, over where they should be, where they should be. And then it tailors down to like 45. And I'm like, you would have been better sitting at 50 the whole time. Like going slow from the beginning, you would have shaved off like minutes off your bike by not blowing up and dropping down so slow. I found in, in training, uh, like trying to figure out where to, where the best spot is for me on the assault bike, uh, while not doing like simulations. Right. And just like being able to kind of sit and do assault bike repeats more or less. I found that like a three minute assault bike, uh, bout is about where my DECA pacing would be. Like I can hold like 75 to 80 for three minutes and kind of by the end of that, be like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty done on this. Um, cause it just, I think I just, I'm able to kind of build that kind of fatigue that I feel coming off of all the other stations yeah. into the assault bike, which is, yeah, like you said, minute 15. But if I do three, like the back 30, 30 seconds or 45 seconds of that three minutes kind of feels yeah. like, yeah, it kind of feels like what it does on the actual deck of fit. Um, cause this thing with the assault bike too, it's like more of a sprint uh machine you know like people get like that's kind of what it's best used for and it it really shouldn't be a sprint in these things you know is that the same are you doing the same thing and and for the fit mile and uh strong for that or the same thing are you are you going slower on the fit because of the run after it and faster on the mile and the strong or are you just kind of managing it however you can i think uh Going into another fit, I'm going to still maintain that 75 RPMs. And the reason why is getting off of that 75 RPMs, my legs don't feel as heavy and blown up as they would otherwise. Last year, I did the fit. And again, I was trying to catch up to the runners. And it was like a freaking slinky. (laughs) I'd come out of the station ahead of a lot of guys. And then they'd all pass me on the run. And I'd come in last and then try to leave first. And I hammered that. And I think I was... I think I did the bike in a minute at Deca Fit, but my run suffered so bad uh, after that. So it was like, all right, well, if I just do what I do in strong one, like around, I'm happy around 115, give or take a few seconds, then I'll be able to actually like come out of there and run with decent running mechanics versus just lead legs. Have um, you but, have you done training like that to get an aggregate time to see? Because that's one thing about the assault bike. I just figure everyone's yeah. going to have a terrible run. You know, yeah. so it's like, well, most of the time it's going to be made up on the assault, like, and then it's just dealing with whatever you can after. Um, have you played around with that? Like trying to see like how your runs do change? Um, I have a little bit, but not, not enough. I think last week leading into the mile was sharpening. Like I've been doing so much deck of stuff, but not deck a mile um, splits and stuff. And then running separate. I finally like meshing them together in just a sharpening week. And yeah. I did... I think it was like 25 calories into like um, a run, but I was just, I was getting on the treadmill and trying to maintain the, uh, the pace I set. So I started with 75 RPMs and then like seven minute pace. And I was able to hold the, I think it's 45 seconds at that. And then you run for two minutes. I think it was, I think it was a house workout. So, I'm like, this is an intricate thing. 
So I did, um, yeah, seven, like my race pace and then uh, two minutes at seven minute pace. And I was able to hit that. So then the next I did 80 RPMs and a seven minute pace. And I was able to hit that. And then I did 75 RPMs and a 640 pace. And I was able to hit that. But when I went mm-hmm. to eight minutes and 640 pace or 80 RPMs and a 640 pace, I can only last a minute. And I tried that twice and failed both times. So I was like, all right, maybe 80 is a little too aggressive or maybe that run is too aggressive. So it depends what I want to do with the run. And then I did the same thing, but instead of the run the next day, I did it with the tank. And to simulate, like everyone does fine on the tank, but you're never going to have 12 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes of accumulated maximum fatigue before you do the tank. So Mm -hmm. then everyone's just crawling. So I, I liked how that treated me on the treadmill with the running, um, like paces so i did it with the tank and sharpened it and um i was able to do the tank pretty fatigued and i did the full 100 meters each time after the 45 seconds of assault bike at the different paces and um messed with the two tank push pull techniques of push and then walk back straight arms or push and then a bunch of maximum like rows to pull the tank back and i found the uh the row method is definitely faster, but it definitely jacks your heart rate up more. So I'm like, all right, I got two yeah. tools in the toolbox. <laughs> How do I want and to that, mesh these? I'm glad you brought this up because that's something that I did want to talk to you about. And like, because with the tank, yeah, it's like, how do you do it faster? Because it's it mm-hmm. it's that magnetic resistance. So like it <laughs> seems like everything's kind of the same. But yeah, if you do row it and kind of like run back as you're kind of like kind of beating the slack of the TRX straps behind you. It does seem to look good. I kind of like it because it kind of gives my quads a bit of a reprieve as well, mm-hmm. because like pushing yeah. forward and then pulling it right back, it's quad and then quad. And then it's just like trying to manage that type of fatigue for like two plus minutes, two and a half minutes of just like yeah. straight up leg burn is kind of where is the biggest challenge. I feel like with the tank is just like, it's kind of like climbing, right? It's more like, going up a steep incline, yeah. right? Like how well, yeah. Like how well can you handle that terrible feeling? But that row is interesting. Do you think you need to have a certain baseline of strength when it comes to like your horizontal pulling for you to even try that? Um, Cause I, I did that. I tried to do it one time and I was like rowing it really lightly and that wasn't, that didn't do anything right. Where it needed to be like a huge pull. Yeah. Um, so like, where do you land on that? I think you need you need some sense of or some amount of strength, but I think it's more in the hip hop. I mean, obviously you're using the the arms because you're pulling with your biceps, you're pulling with your grip, your lats. I notice my forearms and my like my forearms and my hands are burning with that because even with both because you you did the ski, you did the farmers, and then now you're you're pulling in it. Like you said, two minutes plus. There, I don't know anybody that's done race tank in less than two minutes. Um, I think maybe some, someone has, but uh, not consistently at all. But I don't I know what his, I don't know what his splits were at the last fit when he broke not, the record. But the the one who broke the record, it was because I saw it and I was like, "What?" Yeah. And sometimes if it's on, like, because in Denver it was on the turf, and like, yeah. that it's gonna stick on the some, turf. But sometimes yeah. where it's like that polished concrete. It can kind yeah, of slide over it, you bit. know. And then you're it cheating does. the uh, you're cheating the the resistance, but I mean, it's not right. the athlete's fault. That you're just playing the the terrain. That's what the um, terrain you had. Point. 
So yeah. he may have had there was definitely that polished floor. Um and I think he can just and I think he just pulled the shit out of it. So uh, yeah. but he had he was under and I saw it and I was like, that's insane. How do you do this yeah. thing faster? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think the best times I've seen are like just over two. And I think my best um my best is like two ten, two fifteen, somewhere in there. When I did that workout I just explained to you. I did pushes and then the explosive pulls and I was 157 on my fourth set. So I was like, I got a lot of fatigue there. I was able to do wow. 157, but my heart rate was 174 and uh, <laughs> that's kind of high. So I was like, all right, I still got to do a run in burpees after this. But um, I, when I raced, I did mostly just the walk back method. And then on one of the lengths back, I did the, the, the rows and um. I think that gave me some reprieve with the quads because, as you said, like that's <laughs> they're working consistently for that long. But if you have a couple tools, it you you kind of have a couple options depending on how you're feeling. If your grip's going, then big row is going to let your wrists and forearms kind of rest for a split second. Same with your quads. But you just want to make sure you keep walking back after the big pull. You don't want to you want to mm. keep like plant and long enough to get the big pull but then keep stepping back because as it has some momentum you want it to keep rolling um so that's going to shave some time and like you said the, the ground if you're on turf it's probably not going to slide at all if you're on yeah asphalt it might slide a little bit but if you have that polished concrete like you can, you can take you advantage of the rubber not <laughs> not sticking when I when I practice that method, yeah, I almost like run backwards, right, yeah, like to try yeah. to to try to beat it, to just try to hustle it a little bit, just to mm -hmm. kind of get to that next level. Because my pull might not be as strong as someone like you or Kent, where like you could probably pull it and like move it way further than I would. So I'm more like hustling my way back to try to do that. I haven't had a great chance to to practice it um, on a, on a variety of surfaces or at a variety of fatigue levels. Because that's the thing, right? I feel like I would just. <laughs> I'll ultimately just be like, start walking backwards just because I get, I would be so yeah. tired. Everyone's got a like, plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's something at this point of the race. Cause yeah, you said there's yeah. a run, which is, you know, let's just say two minutes just in general. And then uh, like the Ram burpees is another minute and a half. So it's like three and a half minutes and then plus whatever you have on the tank. So you're in like the last like mile of like this 10 K, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, are you, is it time to sell out in the fit in, in, in general? Or, um, cause that's another thing with that. Like you don't need your grip after it. You don't necessarily yeah. need your quads either. It's just like how well, how much you're going to want to hurt. And that's just kind of the thing with Ram Burpees too. It's like, do you just want to yeah. hurt and just deal with it? And I figure it out, yeah. but yeah, the, 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 you get to lay down after. So you can lay down after you can always, <laughs> there's, there's like slow enough. You can always do one more. I don't know. Yeah. They, they mean they suck. It's something I don't want to be doing. Mm -hmm. but for sure. Um, so with the, are you loading the tank? Cause that's one thing with the magnetic resistance of the tank. It really doesn't matter if you put more weight on it, right? As far. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, had some people want to throw weights on and they do. And I'm like, it still feels the same to me. There's no sense in it. In my opinion. I mean, some it people might, might argue, but I don't really know. That's true. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the main thing is that it will connect with okay. the ground. But if you start throwing like a ton of weight on, like it doesn't. I don't think it really matters. No, because on wheels. <laughs> yeah, the wheels. Do you like on. it? Do you like the the tank? Yeah, I have a tank, and then I have the rogue, uh, the sled that is close sled. to high rocks thing that yeah. uh, 
it's it's very similar to high rock same width of the pieces and the, the weight in the middle and they definitely both have different uh purposes but um i i like it for deca training so <laughs> um yeah. yeah um so when you look back at this mile then or what do you because i i mean your perspective is great because you you're around it you know, and like you see, because you see people doing it, you've hosted several events now, like you're, you own a gym, uh, which I've mentioned underdog, underdog fitness, what, what town? Yep. Yeah. Wallingford, Connecticut. Wallingford, Connecticut. That, um, so you're seeing it, right? Like I'm not as inundated in this and I haven't put too much thought into all these different specific spots yet because I, I haven't had DECA be my main focus, but I think it's going to be in the back half of the year as we lead into what would be like the world championships, right? Whatever it's going to be. Yep. Um, so what are some things that when it comes to training, like we talked a lot about like the in, in event, right. And like pacing is number one, mm -hmm. right. And then being familiar with, with what the stations, right. Sharpen up your skill work so that you, you're, you're not inefficient with things like step overs or lunges or whatever, and then have targets, at for your row i like the idea of videoing yourself i would recommend people doing that like yeah have just, like if you're going if you're showing up to to underdog fitness to do that just have just set up a camera or have somebody it's really easy you. to just ask a stranger because that's what i've done when i go to these other venues i'm like hey you uh would you do me a huge favor here's my phone can you just videotape this and then i start wad uh wad proof and i set it and then uh i'm just like just press go it doesn't matter I can do the math off whatever the counter is when I finish. And then yep. you have the video of you at every station and you can see your form too. Or when you trip and fall, you got a folly video and uh, <laughs> tripping over the box. Trying to go too fast or when, uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that, that lets you look at it and then you get to see yourself because you might feel like you're doing something right, but then you're not. And I, one thing that I noticed when I first videoed it was I thought I was going super fast on my sit-ups. And I mentioned Tom earlier, he's like, let me see your splits. So we like went back on one of the videos I had just from my first run that I never really, I watched, but I didn't do any film breakdown. And uh, he's like, you're taking like a minute on your sit-ups. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that seems pretty good. And he's like, yeah. that's not, no, you're waste, like, you're not practicing that and you're losing so much time. And then uh, he shows me Kent, Kent's like 38 seconds. I was like, oh shit, I thought I was going as fast as I could. And then I realized, like, like I made that how to do the subs video. I'm just going ape shit. I'm sliding all over the place and lots of wasted effort. And I'm like, all right, slow down and just be efficient. And I shave off tons of time. I'm not down to Kent's 38 seconds, but I'm under 50 seconds, under 45 seconds. So, do you, you on your way back? I've been I've been playing around with this too because yeah, when I did the strong, I did it with Kent, and that's really where he kind of separated from me. I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna practice this like whatever. <laughs> totally. Like, this is stupid. This is, this is actually the stupidest part. But um, then I was like, all right, well, I guess I should sure this thing up. So in terms of like the rebound, I found that it mm -hmm. might, I'm a little bit faster. Like if I actually like raise my lower back off the ground a little bit yeah. and kind of like uh, more like a plyometric movement with my core, um, with my rectus abdominis to try to like be a little bit more powerful and snap it up as opposed to like just trying to like bounce it back. Um, I found that to be a little bit, it's a little bit more motion, but seems to be a little bit faster. What, what have you been, you just slowed things down and just. Well, I slowed more. things down because when, when I was coming back, like the rebounding thing that you said, I was, 
I was coming back and then I'd slide up on the mat and I'm super sweaty and then I'm sliding down on the mat and then my back's all over the place. And if you've ever done like a bunch of butterfly sit-ups at CrossFit, you get like that monkey butt thing. And yeah. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to chafe my whole back up. So I ended up finding the same thing that you just mentioned. Like I pick my lower back and hips off the floor on the reach back. So then I'm keeping my lats engaged. And once I tap, then my hips come down and then I'm kind of like slingshotting myself. But mm -hmm. in a way, in a controlled way where, yeah, I'm picking my hips up, but I'm not using my glutes on the box. I'm not going to use them on the ski. I don't really need them right. on the farmers. So, um, and then keeping the arms bent, keep the ball close to the head. And then when you sit up, making sure that you're sitting up enough to meet the standard. Because back when they had it on Spartan games, they were not they did not have the standard of your shoulders need to be over your hips. So people is that like, what the standard is? The, it's written the, the ball needs to like the meat of the ball needs a hip between your heels, but that takes care of the standard. And I talked to Yancey and he's like, yeah, we want the shoulders over the hips. So that way people's lower back still isn't on the ground when the ball's hitting the ground. You know yeah. I mean? You're not swinging the ball <laughs> up. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're actually doing a sit up. They're not doing a crunch where they hit the ball on the ground. And so are you, are your knees bent? Cause I was doing it like butterfly, just like you like said, like for CrossFit, like with my feet together yeah. and my knees kind of splayed out. Are you like, should you put, and Kent had his feet flat, right? And knees yeah. like up. Um, is that the way you're supposed to do it? it? You could do it any way you want, as long as the ball's hitting the ground between your feet. If you're butterflying, then I find like people end up hitting their shoes and not the ground. So it's a no rep. Yeah. So if you just if you like butterfly, then just spread your feet out enough to fit the ball in between. I think I kind of keep my feet wide, and I wouldn't say my heels are flat on the ground, but my heels are digging into the ground, so I, I'm like grounded. So that's going to keep me from sliding. Mm. Um, but I think my toes are in the air. Um, okay. But my knees are that makes wide. Makes sense though. So yeah, you can press your you can press your heels into the ground more than like a flat foot. And with the fit, we don't have to worry about it as much because we're angry. yeah, because your feet are yeah. Yeah, um, but I would. St I th I'm gonna still try with the fit to do the. I don't know what would we say, lifting our it's back up. Your back. Yeah. What kind of what kind of style should we call that? Uh, I just lift my hips up. I, I mean, hip, you're still rounding lift. your back, so yeah, hip lift. Yeah, the yeah. hip the hip lift. Because um, <laughs> that's another thing with this. Like, there's so many little little spots tiny that nuances. Uh, tiny nuances that that will make a difference in like your total time and it's not just always like fitness i mean it is fitness <laughs> but like it's like yeah. the skill behind the fitness is kind of what i like about this right it's like little spots that you can like really dig into and, and figure out the best ways um around them so and you kind of mentioned your training you're gonna you're, you split your running and like your deco work um is that is that pretty consistent or are you doing a lot of qual are you doing quality workouts that are uh, with the DECA skills and the DECA implements? Like how has that changed? How has like this focus changed your training, especially when you're doing other stuff? Cause you're still doing yeah. the Spartan series this year as well. Um, so how are you blending these things? Are you going to like take periods of time where you're doing specific DECA work or like, how has that kind of worked into your training? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. The, the Spartan series um, and then the DECA world championship, like there are two goals for the year and fitting the DECA like time training and dedicated stuff in around the, the, the national series is kind of, I've been focused on one or the other, but like still kind of keeping a little bit of the other in, I guess. So the beginning of the year, 
uh, Jacksonville was the first race. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to focus on Jacksonville. So I did all my running training focused on Jacksonville with flat speed and whatnot. And then I did some strength work because it was the off season and I don't lift all that much. Just uh, put that block in and like the off season and then dial that down. So I, I like did primary lifts with like barbell stuff, but then I'd throw in some deck of movements to sharpen up the skills uh, as auxiliary work. And then on top of the running volume, uh, like additional volume, I do like rowing, skiing and biking for like uh, cross training. Mm -hmm. um and build those in so then i'm doing that stuff but my focus was running and then after jacksonville i was like all right my next race that matters is i'm not going slow so i got big bear and then i'm going to do new jersey a couple weeks before that but that's mountainy stuff so i stopped doing flat running and tried to do more um more incline stuff but i also knew that i have this deca coming up and i'm like all right i'm hosting this this would be a good time for me to get one in and then um, just doing, uh, more simulations and stuff along with the, the climbing, because that's what I need my, for the, the next two races are big bear in Utah. So that's a bunch of climbing and that's not necessarily my strength. So, um, that's the bulk of my running training. So, unless, except <laughs> unless I just want to only do climbing stuff, then, uh, this is a good time to throw deck of stuff in. So the box step overs will help with that. Um, Lunge, reverse weighted lunges are going to help with that so i'm like that overlapped pretty well and <clears throat> then i started mixing the like compromise running so i'm like oh this is perfect deck of mile training because i'm doing stuff to blow myself up like i'm running and then that's going to help with ocr but it's really going to be just the training for ocr be deca specific leading into this event so now that this is gone um, I'm probably not going to do another DECA till June, maybe. So mm. just uh, getting my mountain legs back or keep working on that. Um, really happy with how this turned out. So keeping all the notes of the last uh, build and that kind of thing. So then uh, I'll do this strong in June probably. But um, yeah, just like pick what, what I'm focused on and then uh, putting the, the efforts into more of that and a little like 90% that and then 10% the other goal mm -hmm. and then flip flop them up at the time. And I did so much volume on the machines at like a, like an aerobic rate zone three, just to get comfortable, work on transitions in and out. Cause those are like the blocking and tackling of football, like getting into and out of the rower, people lose 15 to 20 seconds. Like mm -hmm. you could save 15 to 20 seconds, not being any fitter, just having a plan to sit down, strap in and pull. Um, and the same on the bike. I noticed just last week, I was like, every time I get on the bike, my foot goes down and pendulums back and then goes forward. And then I sit and then I start my bike. So I'm like, how mm -hmm. can I get into this faster? So I'm like, well, if I set the, the pedals at like three and nine, and then I jump onto the butt, jump, step onto the bike, with the intention of that's my first pedal, then that saves me to transition in. And then if I lock my knee out, when I hit 25, I can kind of propel myself off the back of the bike. And that's uh, another second getting off the bike. It's going to be hard because I'm tired, but I practice yeah, that a lot with the simulations. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that also shaved a few seconds, uh, but lots of time. And that's how I figured out all these paces for myself 
was just lots of time on the bike ski and row it like an aerobic effort and figuring out what what feels comfortable and then it just builds your confidence because before like maybe i'd row a 145 and my heart would be sky high but now i'm like i'm doing like a thousand meters at 145 and i'm like just out of zone three i'm like oh okay well if i can hold that then i could probably go a little bit faster uh and then doing like 100 calories on the bike you're gonna find what you can sustain so um Mm. that's also another place i found that that 75 rpms i just kind of like get comfortable there and the uh doing like e3 moms with the bike so getting to race pace and then come off and do something else whether it's burpees or or anything and you get a little bit of recovery but you're not redlining every time and i think back uh, playing team sports growing up, it was run as fast as you can and do these gassers after practice and wind sprints and everything was just like blow you up to red line and then don't quit. Don't be mm-hmm. like, don't be weak. You have to keep going. And uh, as I've matured and learned from coaches and stuff, it's no, you don't want to red line. You want to like find where right under the red line you can stay as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, and that's going right. to make you go as fast as you can without breaching that and that's going to get you a better time than (laughs) hanging out too long or or blowing up and dying so that's kind of the name of the game it's like raising that red line by like kind of bumping into it not by you're not going to raise that red line by just like soaring past it it's not going to change because you're not spending any time there so like that's what threshold work does right like it gets you like right under it and just kind of helps bump that up a little bit yeah and in the race you stay right under that until like the very end and try to try to finish (laughs) if you can um, so this year for Spartan stuff, so you've been in the Spartan, Spartan circuit for, when did you start like Spartan? 20, 2012. 2012. That's OG. That's way back. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. good back then. Ten I was years? just doing it to finish. <laughs> is that what, the, is that when, uh, finish. did you wear were, the mask as soon as the gladiator, gladiators, I, were at my, I did my first race in 2013 at Citizens Bank and they had gladiators and then I didn't really come back to like 2016, but I remember the gladiators. Did the mask was the mask there the first Spartan no. like in that, that first year? No, no. Early on when I first started, uh, I started doing OCR with a bunch of friends from college, and we uh, we did we wanted to dress up, so we did Warrior Dash. We did like face paint and like I don't know whatever outfit we had, and it was like a barbarian kind of uh, mm-hmm, right. race. So then we got the water buffalo hats and whatnot, and then we signed up for Tough Mudder, and we decided to dress up for that too. So the night before the race, we went to party city. It was in November in New Jersey. So great weather. And uh, we picked out these pieces of the Christmassy thing. So we could be like Santa Clauses, but we also wanted stuff we could run in. And we actually trained for it. None of us had ever run 13 miles before. So we, we actually trained for months to do this tough mutter. And then we were Santa's and then we won a season pass because they used to have a costume contest. So we won that. So <laughs> nice. the season pass went over to the next year. And then the next year, I think we did clowns once, but it was like big bozo hair and the nose and the face paint and the bow tie. And then we did uh, we did a couple other things. But after like three or four or five of these races, we were like, shit, every Friday night we're going to Party City and dropping like 50 bucks on all these costumes <laughs> pieces. We need something we could wear more than once. And at that point, there weren't any masks that you could see and breathe out of. You might be able to see, but you couldn't breathe or you could breathe and you couldn't see. So we were just like kind of on the lookout for that. And then by the time Halloween came around, my friends had kind of like stopped racing as much and they had other obligations. And um, I was at Halloween store and I was like, Oh my God, this mask, a chinless clown mask 
it has <laughs> eyes and I can see and it kind of sticks to my head and the mouth is open and I can breathe. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to give this thing a shot. And I just wore that at like, I think the Ohio race was next. And I had like one of those Under Armour Superman shirts because those were cool that year. And uh, that was Bubbles' debut, but I didn't have a name or a voice or anything. And I just wore it. And uh, that I was like, wow, this is cool. And then the next race and the next race. And then I, the more races I did, the more uh, of a personality and persona and uh, <laughs> a voice and everything. And then uh, I, I was, I was, I was like trying to get better and whatnot. So I was like working harder and training as best I knew uh, for a couple of years. And then I like started racing elite when that was the only non open wave. And I was like, all right, top 100 is the goal today. And there's 300 waves. So it's like, all right, I'm going to get top 30%. And just like creeping up, and um, after a while, I just realized if I want to get better, I got to race without the mask on because I can breathe better. <laughs> so then, uh, like I, less hot, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I definitely got heat exhaustion a number of times where I was like delirious, dizzy, and slurred speech. <laughs> like, sir, take the mask off. Like, don't yeah. touch the mask. No. The, <laughs> the uh, yeah, because that's one thing. Like, uh, with the, I bet there's a lot of people that know you as Bubbles and but don't know how serious of an athlete that you are, yeah. you know, because of the mask. That's opposite like, ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that just kind of glommed them together. Um, so yeah, you did the, you did the lead circuit for a while and then you're, you like, you're, you're in an interesting spot and like, it's, it's that I'm sure others can relate to. It's like figuring out where the, like when to go elite, like what you want to accomplish out of that and when to be age group. And it seems like you've kind of gone into that age group category these past, this past year, more or less. Mm -hmm. Right. So what kind of went into that decision for you? Because I know it's something that a lot of people do, do kind of struggle with and, and need to then like have a hard time figuring out answers to like where they should go when they're kind of right on that cusp. Yeah. So I don't know if I made the right decision, but it's, this is what I based on. Like I ran elite for years and even when like competitive came out, I stayed with elite. And then, um, as age groups started growing, I was still in the elite, but the elite fields were getting smaller and smaller because more people were dropping into a race where they're competitive. And I just kind of like bullheadedly stayed in elite. Cause I like ego wise, I'm like, Oh no, I'm elite. I'm going to stay here. But it just, I think it got just, I don't want to say not fun. Cause I definitely want to push myself and train harder and get better. But the level of the top elites, they just keep getting better and better and better. And I'm, like, not even coming close to times. And I'm, like, oh, I used to be, like, at a period of time, like, competitive for, like, top five. And I, I have a few elite podiums, so it's not like I've never achieved success. But over the last few years, like, well, COVID kind of just threw in a big – everyone's mm -hmm. away from the sport. And I trained – like so much during the time where we didn't really have any other responsibilities. And um, I'm just like, well, do I want to keep getting 15th place in elite? Like it doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm not excited to like get top 10 anymore. It, it used to be when I never had it, but I'm like, I have all these top tens. I've a handful of top fives, but finishing eighth place or 12th place in elite, like it's not doing anything for me. I don't even know who I'm racing because we're so spread out and, there's not, um, there's nothing, I'm not, there's nothing left for me to like gain in elite. I've raced, like I podiumed in sprints and ultra beasts. So I'm like, all right, I don't really know what distance I want to focus on. Like mm. I chased the uh, stadium series for a number of years and 
I finished top 10 in that. And that was cool because you were racing like consistently. But um, I think this year with the age group national series was the first. I was like, all right, there's actually something for me now. So last year I was like dabbling in age group to see what it kind of felt like and looked like. And the camaraderie between the other people in your age group. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm here to race you today. We're going to go head to head. I know who I'm competing against. And then at the end of the day, looking and seeing what other age groups beat me or who did I beat. And Mm -hmm. I think like, as you said, I'm in an interesting spot. Like I don't want to win every single race I race. I do want to challenge myself, but I did pretty well in the age group races I did last year. And then this year having the age group national series, I'm like, all right, cool. It's not just me beating the Northeast 35s and 39s. It's the whole national thing. So I went to, I went to Jacksonville and, got humbled with the the mud got me uh after i missed my spear so um you and then i didn't go to slow 22nd or something really <laughs> so i missed my spear did burpees then i fell off the z wall after the uh. mud pit then i got to the rope and there's like 200 people doing burpees and i'm like oh you guys suck why can't you climb the rope and i spent like five minutes there trying every method i could come up with and i couldn't get onto the rope to even get off the ground so then i jumped in and did burpees too and then uh, I finished the race, like tail between my legs. I'm like, I came out here to win the national series. I'm in 20s. I don't even know what place I'm in. Like, <laughs> this is terrible. Um, I couldn't go to slow, but now, uh, as my, <laughs> I think it's quite fitting that now I'm a true underdog because I still want to win the series. And there's three races left, and I have to basically win all three. And mm-hmm. two of them are not to my strength, so I'm not calling anybody out or seeing anybody in my age group is going to get their ass kicked or anything like that. I'm just saying uh, I have a lot of work to do, and it doesn't matter what they do. It matters what I do. But um, I, I like that there is something in age group. It's not just, okay, race this, and we'll give you a medal anymore. It's There's actually an opportunity to um, compete in a bigger bigger sense of the sport and whatnot and see well. does it does it So does it feel more fun than what? Um, I didn't, was... I never really lost the fun for me, but I feel like there's more of a purpose. Like I really lost my sense of fun last year. <laughs> I said I never really lost sense of fun last year in the fall. Like everything kept getting canceled after we all, well, at least I thought COVID was over. I'm like, all right, cool. We're 2020. What year? 2021 COVID's over. We're going to have races. And then it's like, signed up, canceled, signed up, canceled, book my flight, yeah. canceled. And then I did a couple high rocks and. I went to Austin and I won my age group and I was excited. And then I, uh, I went to Chicago and I didn't train like leading into Austin and that was all residual fitness. And then five, six more weeks of not training, going to Chicago and just getting slaughtered. And then, uh, I was like, Oh, this is, this is bad. I gotta, I gotta start training again, but I just wasn't training because I had no drive because things weren't happening. Right. So I think for me, it's always been like something on the calendar always like pulls me ahead and, gives me something to train for. Well, cool, man. So I love that. That's kind of been like the, the journey that you're going on. Cause I know a lot of people are kind of feeling that way. So I'm, I hope people will reach out to you to kind of have that conversation. Cause like, it really is it's like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what's going to be more fun? Like, where are you going to enjoy it? So it's, I'm glad that that's kind of lit that fire for you. Um, so I'll make sure to link to your socials and uh, so where, where can people find you? Underdog Fitness Gym on uh, Instagram. Look for the little uh, Boston Terrier face inside the kettlebell. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a Facebook page too, but most of our stuff goes on Instagram. And then I'm Bubbles the Clown 
it's really easy. You start typing bubbles and it'll probably pop up. And, yeah, uh, if you follow OCR. Also on, yeah. on the gram. <laughs> um, uh, cool, man. When's your next yeah. uh, DECA event? Do you have one in the books or? Uh, it will be July, but right now with the two uh, national series races in July, um, I, I try, I really work hard because this has happened to me a million times when you want to do two races, but they're on the same day at different locations. So I'm working. I didn't pick a date yet. It's going to probably be in July, but I want to look at the dates and see what's going to conflict with the least amount of other things. So that way it doesn't like cannibalize who's going to come. Like if it's Palmerton right. weekend, tons of people from the Northeast go to Palmerton. So who's going right. to come do DECA? Like, <laughs> so I right. want to kind of like allow the DECAs to fit into other people's schedules and stuff. And it's an easy, easy trip for most people. Like they come in, they hang out for most of the day. Like last time we had food trucks, we had pizza on one day, tacos on the other day. Um, they just, people are just going all day so you can get there early and like spectate and learn and take best practices from other people. All my judges are experienced DECA competitors. So they're going to coach you through as you're doing it, like stop doing that or pull slower or do this instead. Or I, we really like work to give everyone as many tips as we can leading up. And that's why I put out all those videos last time, which are on the Instagram. Um, cause I want people to get better times. Uh, but to set everybody up for success and let them feel like it feels when, when I'm about to go like this one, I want this farmer care exactly here so they can come off the, the ski mm -hmm. and take two steps and pick up the weights, not run 20 meters down to the other end of the gym, go around the corner, <laughs> find the tank. <laughs> and you're setting them out outside uh, too, right? So it's like, you just, when it's nice yeah, anyway. Depend, yeah. So January, uh, the temperature was eight degrees outside. So we're like, we're definitely inside. No chance. Like not even people aren't going to hang outside, but this last weekend was, we were planning on nice weather. We kind of got nice weather. We had torrential downpours at one point and we had a lane going inside. And then once mm -hmm. the, uh, the miles definitely going to be outside, no matter what, we don't have the mm -hmm. square footage indoors, but, um, the, the strong on Sunday, we were able to put both lanes of the strong outside. So you're out in the sun and, there's a breeze and we could come inside if you needed to. We had facilities or shade or waters. Like I said, we had a taco truck. Oh, that's great. We had some a couple yeah. vendors, athletic brew. Because <laughs> that's when you can set up the – if you can set it up so the run is – you can just go – like my setup was wacky when I went. I like went through – it was in – like the stations were indoors. They had to run out through an actual doorway. There was like two-way traffic. Mm -hmm. I had to make two I – I, I went out, turned left – Ran all the way down to the end. Like, no, I had, to do, I had two 180 degree turns somehow in 160 <laughs> yeah. meters and a huge puddle in the middle of it. <laughs> so, so the layout matters. So it sounds like you guys are doing it right. Yeah. You care about what the, what the standards are and what people are going to do. Yeah, I definitely, the first time we did it, it was an out and back, but the run started at station one. So your first run was 160 meters, but then every station after you had to go the next 10 meters to station two, three, four. So right. by the time you did your burpees, you did a 160 meter run, but then you ran like an extra 50 meters down, maybe not that far, but sure. way farther. So your run's still going. So this time um, you've done deck of fit, you know, you loop and then you come in and then you start your run and you finish like a little shorter of where you started. So yep. that's how I built this one. And I measured it like a thousand times with the little wheelie nice. thing with yeah. the feet. And I'm like, all right, so run starts here and it stops 10 meters short, but that's 158. So now they're starting the next station at, um, well, three, whatever the feet is, 
160. I got gotcha. My measure tools and feet, so I'm like constantly checking. But um, yeah, because I, I I built a course so I could PR. Obviously, I want to do my best, and I yeah. want the athletes to have the same experience. So um, talking to Yancey and the other DECA affiliates and finding best practices, and then talking to athletes, and also going to DECAs at other gyms and seeing how they lay it out. Um, the strong's pretty simple unless they have you go like across the gym to do your farmers or something. But I had some really like that. <laughs> eliminating the space between the stations. So it's like yep. two steps and grab or two steps and push or burpee. You drop the handles from the tank and your, your ram is at your feet already for burpee. So what, um, are you gonna be able to do a, like, it looks like the Providence deck of fit might not happen. It's not yeah, even so on the site now. Yes, it's canceled. Um, I talked to Yancey, nothing official yet, but he's working, him and Jared uh, are working tirelessly to find something to give the Northeast a decafit, even if it's not up to the Super Bowl feeling of decafit like they have had at the other venues. But um, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Something operationally um, caused that to not work out, but they they do – care a lot about the Northeast and they do want to get a deck of fit in the calendar. So there's nothing announced, but keep, keep your eyes open about that. And also uh, they have the team's race at the deck fit. They're bringing Mm -hmm. the team's aspect down to the mile and the strong, Um, not officially announced. So you didn't hear here, but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) there's a rumor that 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 may be coming to the uh, the affiliate experience. That'd be the affiliate. That's right. That's cool too. Because as an affiliate, like we want people to come back, and if you like, I know people aren't going to come here four times a year to do the same exact race every single time. But if they can do the mile this time, and then the, the strong next time, and then oh, we could do a teams race. Like we've right. seen teams pick up like crazy with high rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that um, cool concept. So give us yeah. other things for people to do. And you're like I said, third in the mile right now, and I think you're like. 10th or 11th in the strong so yeah and that that was my strong with covid i i just came off covid and put up that time so oh nice i know so hopefully uh, be able to drop that a little bit so will you go to ac for those i'm definitely going to ac i think um my goal is to qualify elite for strong and mile and then hopefully qualify i mean i yeah qualify age group for the fit as my my time last year i think was like 37th so that's way outside of 12. But um, that Northeast fit, I'm going to throw down and see what I can do and hopefully qualify for all three, two elite and one age group. And then they are taking the top 12 from each age group, right? In every category? Uh, as far From what I understand, the top 12 period is the elite field. And right. then they delete those. And then the top 12 of each age group is going to be the age group field for uh, AC. For mild, strong, reasons. and fit for all three. Okay, yeah. cool. I love that. I think that's a great thing to, yeah. for people to to strive for. Um, it's cool to have that leaderboard up. Yeah, I'm into it. I think it's fun. So hopefully I'll see yeah. you there. I'm, I'm going to do Chicago, yeah. I think. Nothing, oh, I don't have any flights booked or anything like that, but then maybe West Palm because I don't have any many other yeah. chances. So I, uh, I'm really excited. One of my athletes, she's uh, she put up the third best deck of strong time at our event this weekend. Nice. Uh, sub- Sub 14, which is very unheard of for wow. females and 14 yeah. seconds off of the top time for this year. Uh, so she, she's like, oh, you want to do the mile? She's like, no, I'm just doing strong and I'm going to do really well. I, I definitely want to win my age group. And I'm like, well, you keep keep pushing. You 
your fitness is getting better. Your pacing is getting better. And she, she ran a 1445 last month or six weeks ago at a Brooklyn affiliate. And then, uh, she did a 1422 time trial like two weeks ago. And then she just put up a 1354 with us. Wow. Nice. So she won over hands down. Like she beat all the men and women at our (laughs) this weekend. So I'm like, yeah, you're under 14 (laughs) rolling for sure. Um, Cool, dude. This is fun. I'll make sure to link to all the socials and people can give you a follow. Appreciate it.